host who are excited to share with you. We're also going to try to start uploading more consistently on Saturdays. It might be every Saturday. It might be every other Saturday. We'll see how it goes. Uh, and today we have a guest host, Clara. Hi. Hi, that is my sister Clara. She's going to be talking with us today. We're going to be going over Romans 2. We're going to be going over some current events and how and continuing our journey of exploring what it means to be a Christian in the modern world. First, we're going to start with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. This is a day you have made, so we will rejoice in it and be glad. I pray that you will fill Clara and I with your spirit. I pray that you will give us wisdom. I pray that you will give us the words to say and give us humility. I thank you that we have this opportunity to do an episode together. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to kick off today's episode with a hymn. I was searching through my hymn book to find one that would be good, and I found an unfamiliar version of Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Come Thou Fount is a pretty common hymn. You've probably heard the waltz version. But I found this one that I thought was really pretty, and it's an alternative tune written by composer William Walker. And I mixed it up a little bit. I added some words from the familiar Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. So, may I present Come Thou Fount. Yet doing them yourself will escape the judgment of God. 
Or perhaps you despise the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, because you don't realize that God's kindness is intended to lead you to turn from your sins. But by your stubbornness, by your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of anger, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. For he will pay back each one according to his deeds. To those who seek glory, honor, and immortality by perseverance in doing good, he will pay us back eternal life. So that was verses 1 through 7. There are a couple of interesting things I noticed when I was going over these verses. Uh, the first thing I noticed was that was the word for treasure in verse 5. The translation I just read, the complete Jewish Bible, doesn't use the word treasure, but some other translations do, uh, such as the translation that says, But for your hardness and impertinent heart, treasures up unto yourself wrath against the day of wrath. So I found that word treasure really interesting, and I looked it up in the Greek, because I've studied a little bit of Koine New Testament Greek, and I found that the word they use in that passage is thesauros. Um, that's theta, eta, sigma, uh, alpha, epsilon, rho, omicron, sigma. And that is actually the same Greek word used in Matthew 6, 19 through 20, the verse that says to store up treasure in heaven. So just like we are to store up treasure, we are to treasure to ourselves kindness and goodness and God's light. These people that Paul is talking about, they treasure unto themselves hardness and stubbornness and, and an impertinent heart. This passage is basically talking about people who take advantage of God's goodness. God's goodness is meant to inspire us. It's meant to overwhelm us and put us in awe of how completely incredible he is. And that awe is supposed to make us want to turn away from our sins. But there are those who harden their hearts and say, no, because God is good, I will take advantage of that. And I can do whatever I want because I know he is good and he will forgive me. But... Although God is forgiving, he does not let sin go unpunished forever. There is a scripture reference uh, referring back to the Old Testament in this passage. Verse 6 says that he will pay back each one according to his deeds. This comes from a passage in Psalm 62 where it says, God has spoken once, I have heard it twice. Strength belongs to God. Also to you, Adonai, belongs grace. For you reward all as the deeds deserve. Let's move on to verse 8. Go ahead, Claire. <laughs> but to those who are self-seeking, who disobey the truth and obey evil, he will pay back wrath and anger. Yes, he will pay back misery and anguish to every human being who does evil, to the Jew first, then to the Gentile. But glory and honor to Shalom to everyone who keeps doing what is good, to the Jew first, then to the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. All who have sinned outside the framework of Torah will die outside the framework of Torah, and all who have sinned within the framework of Torah will be judged by Torah. For it is not merely the hearers of Torah whom God considers righteousness, rather it is the doers of what Torah says who will be made righteous in God's sight. <coughs> For whenever Gentiles who, ha who have no Torah do naturally what the Torah requires, then these, even though they don't have Torah, for themselves are Torah. For their lives show that the conduct the Torah dictates in the written in their hearts. Their conscience also bears witness to this, for their conflicting thoughts sometimes accuse them, 
accuse them, and sometimes defend them on a day when God passes judgment on people's inmost secrets. According to good news, as I proclaim it, he does this through Messiah Yeshua. Awesome. So here are a couple of the things we found interesting from that passage. Well, in this section it says that God does not show favoritism, referring to the Jews or the Greeks or Gentiles. And then Gentile comes from a word meaning pagan, but it refers to anyone who is not Jewish. In this passage, Paul says that even those who aren't Christians, they still have the Torah, the Bible, the Word of God, written on their hearts. All people are made in the image of God. All people have imago dei, even if they aren't Christians. And because we're all made in the image of God, we all have a moral compass. Even if that moral compass, even if that moral center is disrupted and tainted by sin, we still have a moral compass, even though we might even though people who aren't Christians don't know why they have that moral compass, why they know things are wrong, because the word of God is in their hearts, because they are still made in the image of God, they know that some things are wrong, and their conscience bears witness to that. There is also a passage uh, from the Old Testament quoted in this one, and when it says, for the lives show the conduct that the Torah dictates is written on their hearts, that comes from a passage in Jeremiah 31 that says, for this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says Adonai. I will put my Torah within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Let's move on to verse 17. But if you call yourself a Jew and rest on Torah and boast about God and know his will and give your approval to what is right, because you have been instructed from the Torah, and if you have persuaded yourself that you are a guide to the blind, a light in the darkness, an instructor for the spiritually unaware, and a teacher of children, since in the Torah you have the embodiment of knowledge and truth, then you who teach others, don't you teach yourself? Preaching, thou shalt not steal. Do you steal? Saying, thou shalt not commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? Detesting idols, do you commit idolatrous acts? You... You who take such pride in the Torah, do you, by disobeying the Torah, dishonor God? As it says in the Tanakh, for it is because of you that God's name is blasphemed by the Goyim. For circumcision is indeed of value if you do what Torah says. But if you are a transgressor of Torah, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the Torah, won't his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Indeed, the man who is physically uncircumcised but obeys the Torah will stand as a judgment on you who have had Britney law and have Torah been out but violated. For the real Jew is not merely Jewish outwardly. True circumcision is not only external and physical. On the contrary, the real Jew is one inwardly, and true circumcision is of the heart, spiritual, not literal, so that his praise comes not from other people but from God. I love the wording in this passage where it says, have you convinced, uh, let me find the verse. Oh, there we go. If you have persuaded yourself that you are a guide to the blind. This really reminds me uh, in Revelations where people come up to Christ and says, Christ, didn't we do good works in your name? Didn't we prophesy and preach and drive out demons? And 
Jesus says, go away, I never knew you. These people truly believe that these are Christians, and the people Paul are talking about here have persuaded themselves that they are good people, that they are following God, even though they aren't. Because they're doing all the right actions, but they don't have the right motivation behind it. Their motivation isn't that they're doing these things out of their love for God. Greet me law, ritual, covenant, and circumcision was how was a command that God gave to the Jewish people that they were to uh, perform ritual covenant circumcision on all their boys to show that these people were set apart for God. It, but it was meant to be a physical sign of something internal. The physical sign by itself is not enough. Circumcision is meant to be a reflection of the heart. Now we come to the portion of the episode where we get to talk to our special guest for the day, Clara. This is Clara, my sister. She's an elite gymnast, and she's here to talk to us about how we can use our passions to spread God's word. So, Clara, you've been at the gym for a long time. How long have you been at the gym for? I think this is my 13th year. Your 13th year. So she's been studying gymnastics for a very long time. Uh, tell me, what's one thing you love about gymnastics? Okay, so most of the people at the gym you go to aren't Christians, right? Yep. So in what ways has that been difficult for you? How have you managed to uh, still be full of the love of Christ surrounded in that place? I mean, it hasn't really been difficult. If you know what you believe in and you have morals, it's kind of just easy to stick to them. So you've set yourself, you've set up clear boundaries for yourself? I'd say so. You'd say so? Okay. So I know some of your friends at the gym have asked you questions about Christianity. How long had you been at the gym when that started to happen? Um, well, I think like four years. The first time someone asked, I, I was eight. Seven or eight. And I talked to like four, like a group of four friends. And we were just talking about how I was getting baptized, I think, or how or when I got baptized. And I was saying something. But one of my teammates got mad. That we're talking about quote unquote religious stuff. And that kind of got the coaches mad, so we got on a no talking rule. Yeah, so about four years. That's one thing that really interests me because I know I've wanted to share the gospel with people who aren't Christians before, and I've been in activities with a lot of non Christian people. And sometimes I get really frustrated as to why nobody asks me questions because, you know, the Bible says that if you are a witness to God's love, people will notice something different about you and ask questions. But that doesn't happen quickly. It takes a long time for people to notice and to build enough trust in you to ask. So you can't just go in and expect people to start asking after a couple of weeks. 
you have to stick with it and you have to keep being a beacon of God's light for a long time. <clears throat> so what are some of the questions that people have asked you at the gym about Christianity and how did you answer them? Mm. Well, they just kind of ask general questions like what is it and like who is Jesus? And I answer them with the best answer I have. Do you remember any one specific question somebody's asked you and what you said to them? I mean, there's been a lot. <laughs> a lot? So, no, there's a lot about getting baptized, surprisingly. Okay. And a couple of my friends have asked what Bible translation is the best. I don't know. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> okay. So, what would you say to someone who wants to share the gospel with their non-Christian friends? What advice would you give them? Or what encouragement? I would probably say, defend what you believe in, and not what your pastor believes in or something. Like, answer for yourself. Because... If you say, well, my pastor says blah, 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 they probably won't be interested because they don't know your pastor. And I also say, um, educate yourself in what you want to defend, I guess, if that makes sense. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much, Clara. Is there anything else you want to add, Claire, before we wrap this up? Yeah, I guess if no one has come to you asking questions and you really want to be a witness, don't go out of your way to do quote-unquote Christian things. Just live your normal everyday life how you normally would. I mean, don't make exceptions to your morals. Just keep it consistent, and eventually they will notice, and they will ask questions. So that's the advice. Awesome, Clara. Thank you so much. Now is when we would normally go to questions, but we don't have any questions in the email today to answer, so let's go ahead and take a look at that meme. Today's meme, as usual, is made by Clara, and you can find this meme on our website if you want to see it. It says, you know you're a homeschooler when all your parents' passwords are Bible verses. Personally, I like this meme a lot. It is super relatable because we have so many Bible passwords in this house. Like, Bible verses are super make great passwords because you'll get sites that say, we want a capital letter, we want a symbol, we want a number, and the Bible verse has all of that. So, Claire, since you made this meme, tell us the process. What was going through your head? I don't know. Ever since, I guess, we had computers and Wi-Fi, it's been a thing. <laughs> it's always been Bible verses. So why did you pick this picture to go with uh, the meme? Uh, it was the best one I could find. And it, it just seems like... You can instantly understand the dude. Okay. Yeah. Um, the one thing I would...
would change this. I'd probably say, you know you're a Christian when all your parents pass it to Bible verses because not all homeschoolers are Christian and not all Christians are homeschoolers, although uh, we do have a large community of Christian homeschoolers that we are a part of. So I'll give it uh, 45 out of 50 stars on the American flag. Okay, sweet. So, uh, remember that you can always uh, ask, send in questions to our email. Our email is thepillaroffire, P-O-F, at gmail.com. That is T-H-E-P-I-L-L-A-R-O-F-F-I-R-E, P-O-F, at gmail.com. And we are actually doing a giveaway. Uh, the first three people to send in questions uh, we'll be entered into a drawing, and then I'll pick one of the people, and you get yourself a free Pillow of Fire logo t-shirt. You can find this episode on anchor.com. You can also find it on our website, and you can find the meme and lots of other information at our website, https colon slash slash thepillaroffirepof.wixsite.com slash website forward slash thanks Clara so https colon forward slash forward slash t h e p i l l a r o f f i r e p o f dot w i x s i t e dot c o m forward slash w e b s i t e all right go ahead and pray us up Clara share the gospel with other folks. Thank you that we had a wonderful day and that we can live in this amazing country of America. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Pillow of Fire. Go USA.